Hello and welcome to the Brain Drop Podcast, a show all about puzzles, riddles, mysteries, and games. I'm your host, Brian Hobbs. In this week's puzzles, we'll visit many strange places, meet many strange people, and enter the darkness in the attic of our minds. Should be a real hoot. So, first I'll give solutions to the puzzles from last week, we'll listen to the lateral thinking puzzle being solved, then I'll share three new puzzles for you. So to start with, let's review our previous week's puzzles, and we'll see what the answers are. Solution one. (laughs) I want to hear that music again, so let's turn it back on. So in this puzzle, a team is assigned to increase the efficiency of people leaving a subway station via the escalator. The escalator represents a major choke point during rush hour. One train unloads, and those people can't all get up the escalator before the next one unloads, and there ends up being an angry, unruly crowd at the bottom. The team needs to figure out a single way to increase the efficiency so that the most people can get up the escalator in the shortest time. The right side is for people who want to stand on the escalator and take it to the top. The left is for people who want to walk up the escalator. They crowd together in two lines, one for the right side and one for the left. Only one in five people walk. Four out of five stand. People in each line ride the escalator with two empty steps between them and the next person. So person, empty step, empty step, person. I know that's kind of a lot of details, but... The team came up with three options. Option one, decrease the gap between each person from two steps between them to one step between them. Option two, double the number of walkers from one in five to two in five. Option three, increase the speed of the escalator 33%. But the shadow man made a sign that had two words on it and it became more efficient than any one of the other individual options. Your task was to come up with the two words. So the words are no walking. It sounds counterintuitive at first, but if you don't allow walking, it frees up the other side of the escalator for more people standing. For a quick explanation, uh, to figure out how long it takes to get people up there, imagine there are 100 people, 1 in 5 walk, so that's 20, 20 walk, and 80 stand. You can just about disregard the walkers, because uh, they all get up the escalator much faster than the standers. So you've got 80 people standing, and that takes some amount of time. If you don't allow walking, then you have 100 standers, but standing side by side, everyone can get up in the same amount of time that 50 walkers could before. And the other three options the team came up with can't do quite as well. They can get everyone up in the amount of time it took 55 to 60 walkers before. I'll leave the math to you if you care about that sort of thing. But I said this was based on a true story. A subway station in London experimented with this a few years ago. Uh, Usually, as in the puzzle, the right side is for those who stand and the left for those who walk. But their stations were chronically overcrowded. And it seemed that the percentage of people walking on the left side was pretty low compared to the right side. So in one station, they chose to prohibit walking on at least two of their escalators for a period of six months or so. And this ended up cutting congestion by 30%. So that's where I got the idea for the puzzle. I'm not sure that experiment would have worked out here in the U.S. I drive around quite a bit in my job, and 
I'm pretty sure there must be something in the Constitution about the freedom to go as fast as humanly possible. Like it's one of our inalienable human rights, I guess. Inalienable, that's hard to say. Sometimes I drive rather oppressively, going only 10 miles an hour over the speed limit. And maybe there's a passing lane to my left, or maybe there's a solid double yellow line, or maybe just the shoulder of the road. It doesn't really matter, but someone will shave the corner of my rear bumper to get past me. I'll look over, they're wearing a coronavirus face mask in their car. It's kind of like, oh, glad you're safety conscious. Speed limit sign bouncing against their hood as they go by. Actually, though, the escalator thing might not be as much of a big deal here, since it involves uh, physical exertion. Hey, no walking. It's like, yeah, I wasn't planning on it. Actually, I was going to talk to someone about getting chairs installed on these things. Like, do we really have to keep standing all the way up? What is this, the Middle Ages? But anyway, talked too long already. Solution 2. Lining up in numbers. This was a two-for-one puzzle. First, name an eight-letter word that has five vowels that are all consecutive. And then I told you that it uh, starts with one consonant, then there's five vowels, then two more consonants. And then there was a second part. Name a nine-letter word that has only one vowel in it. It has three consonants, then the vowel E, then five more consonants. We had a few people send in the correct answer for both of the words, so good job there. The first one with five vowels was queuing. Q-U-E-U-E-I-N-G. Our international listeners might be more familiar with that word than our American listeners, but should be pretty recognizable to everybody. The problem, though, as one listener noted, is that there's actually two spellings. One of them is Q-U-E-U. ING, so only uh, four vowels there. And that's actually a little bit more common one. Dictionary.com only had that spelling, but uh, both Merriam-Webster and Oxford Dictionary had the second spelling as well, the, the longer one. So it's still an English word. The definition of the word is actually the first two words of the title of the puzzle. The title is lining up in numbers. So lining up was a clue to the first word, not that anyone noticed. But yeah, queuing is the English word with the most consecutive vowels uh, while still being vaguely recognizable. There's this other word that sometimes gets tossed around, E-U-O-U-A-E. That's the word. Don't ask me how it's pronounced. It's something of an abbreviation related to the musical cadence of Gregorian psalm singing in the Middle Ages or something. But, I mean, I don't really care what international Scrabble rules say neither Merriam-Webster nor Oxford Dictionary thinks it's a word, and I don't really either, so I give the trophy to queuing. The other word, nine letters, one vowel, this is the longest word that only has one vowel in it, and that is strengths. S-T-R-E-N-G-T-H-S, strengths. The last half of the puzzle title was sort of a hint towards that, in numbers. Because there is strength in numbers, they say. Says the guy who's hosting this podcast by himself. Solution three. Alright, puzzle three was the weekly lateral thinking puzzle. As a reminder, these are often solved with one person knowing the answer and others asking yes or no questions to that person until the answer is found. So last week's puzzle was created by Shannon Pinnell. 
Across the entire human population, only about 10% of people are left-handed. Many animal species have also been shown to have handedness, or favor one side or the other. In those species, there also tends to be either right-handed, or right-pawed, dominance, or an even 50-50 split. However, I can think of one population that is almost entirely left-handed, and it has nothing to do with sports. Who are they? I did this one with my friend Paul. Are they animals? No. Are they people? No. <laughs> are they Neanderthals? Are they what? <laughs> Neanderthals? No. No, not Neanderthals. So they're living today. They're not are they... specifically living. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that is two questions. And they are around today. Yes. Are they robots? No. I mean, you're sort of on, on a right-ish track. Are they machines? Nah, I wouldn't say machines, no. no. Could they be counted as people? You said people or population. Well, <clears throat> yeah, people are involved with them. So these things... Are people piloting these things? Basically. <laughs> that is a weird way to put it, but yes, I think that that is fairly accurate. Are they vehicles? No. Would steering be a better word than piloting? <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> would, like, manipulate be a better yes, word? Yes, I think manipulate would actually be a good word, probably. Are they paper airplanes? No. Do they have a left hand and a right hand? Yes. Is it a clock? <laughs> no. So uh, let's just where are we now? It's it's a thing that people mess with that has hands. Mm hmm And some subset of these things are left handed. The majority I guess the majority of all of them will be will be left-handed and are they is that how you refer to them is it refer to what like that's a left-handed well <clears throat> you could i don't know that you would refer to it that way but you could you could tell that it is left-handed but no one calls it that i mean i don't know why they would <laughs> <laughs> is it a mouse like a computer, a computer mouse? mouse no that doesn't have hands. Yeah, I guess you're right. Is it some kind of animatronic deal? Um, no, but it's very it's a cousin to that, I would say. Not so animatronic. <laughs> is it a puppet? Yes. Is it like a muppet? A muppet is is most specifically, I think, what the puzzle is referring to. Okay. So why? Well, because you hold the puppet with your right hand, and then you have your left hand... Right. Like, manipulating a stick or something. Yes. So they are puppets, and I was specifically thinking of the Muppets. A puppeteer who is right-handed, as apparently all the original team for the Muppets were, will typically operate the puppet's body with their right hand, so they will use their left hand to have the puppet gesture with its left hand. 
So most puppets and all the original Muppets are left-handed. Nice. <clears throat> you did it. You did one. Like human and animal, I was like, well, that's that's all the things that have hands. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Thanks, Shannon. And thanks to all you puppet pilots out there making the world a more delightful place. I happen to know we have a couple of puppeteers who listen to the show. Okay, all these puzzles were so last week, so let's get some new ones in here. Puzzle one. Yay! A light, or three, in the attic. Alright, this is a classic puzzle, so you may have heard it. If not, it's a pretty clever one. If you have heard it, I've uh, got a follow-up next week to up the ante on it a little bit. So you're in a new house you bought. Well, it's uh, new to you. It's like 1940s house or something. You know, it's one of those houses with lots of character, but not a lot of integrity, structurally speaking. And anyway, you go up the stairs to the attic, and there are three old tungsten light bulbs hanging there. And you can't figure out a way to turn any of them on, and it's dark in there, and there are noises, like it's either rats or ghosts. And either way, you're not staying up here in the dark any longer. So you go back down, and notice there are three light switches on the wall. And you start flipping them, and you notice the light coming from underneath the attic door up the steps, and you get the impression that each switch turns on a different light bulb in the attic. And the first thing you do is fight back the buyer's remorse. And the second thing you do is decide you want to figure out which switch goes to which light bulb. But let's face it, you're not in the best of shape, and these attic steps are not in the best of shape and these ghosts are not in the best of moods, so you only want to go back up the stairs one more time. How can you flip the switches and then go up to the attic only once, and while you're up there, figure out which switch goes to which bulb? Three bulbs, three light switches, one to each bulb. Can you go from the switches to the attic and then pair each bulb to its corresponding switch? Puzzle the Grouch Goes Wild. Okay, I'm going to give you six names, first and last names. There's something you need to decipher about each pair of names. Once you've done that, you need to determine the odd one out. Here's the names. Jamie Cromwell. Abraham Nebraska. Santa Karenina. Gamma Bradbury, Queen Taylor, Victor Chavez. Decipher the pattern in each of the pair of names, then determine the odd one out. Title of the puzzle is actually a clue. The Grouch Goes Wild. You can use Google for this puzzle. It's an original puzzle, so you won't just find the solution online. The names, one more time. Jamie Cromwell. Abraham, Nebraska, Santa Karenina, Gamma Bradbury, Queen Taylor, Victor Chavez. Puzzle three. Oh, the places will go. Here's the lateral thinking puzzle for this week by Stephen Wirt. I'm afraid it's also a list of names. I did not do this on purpose. It's just how it worked out. Uh, fortunately, if you need to, you can go to the website. You can get the list of names and actually read them. But anyhow, 
What do the following places have in common? River Avon, Lake Michigan, Mount Kilimanjaro, the Faroe Islands, Carmarthen, the La Brea Tar Pits, Sherwood Forest, the Sahara Desert. You don't have to keep all of these in your head. They all share something in common, whether it's just two or three of them or all of them. So if you can at least grab onto a couple, that, that can help. I'll say them one more time, though. River Avon, Lake Michigan, Mount Kilimanjaro, the Faroe Islands, Carmarthen, the La Brea Tar Pits, Sherwood Forest, the Sahara Desert. So that's your puzzle. You can hear it solved next week. Also, we're revealing three clues a week, one at a time, only on the Braindrop Facebook page. So if you're interested, you can check that out. Okay, that's it for this week. Again, you can visit the website at braindroppodcast.com for a refresher on this week's puzzles, you know, so you can actually read these lists of names. And let me hear from you. Uh, You can send in your solutions. You can suggest a puzzle for a future episode or whatever else you have to tell me by sending an email to puzzles at braindroppodcast.com. Special thanks to Jeff Moore for some of the music, including what you're listening to right now. Finally, please consider leaving a rating and review. That helps the podcast grow. Also, if it's up your alley, I'll challenge you even further on that one, if you're listening up to this point. I'll leave a review on iTunes that doesn't have the letter E in it. See if you can pull that off without it being completely obvious. Or maybe make it completely obvious. I'll just leave that up to you. All right, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Brian Hobbs. See you later, alligators. No, that's the last time I'm ever going to say that.